Welcome to the EAU podcast. Today we have Evangelos Silinas, Professor of Urology at Bichat-Claude Bernard Hospital in France, Fellow of the European Board of Urology, and Frederick Liedberg, Urologist and Professor at the Department of Urology at Scania University Hospital Malmo in Sweden. In this episode, Professor Liedberg and Professor Silinas will discuss the difficult bladder cancer cases. Hello, everyone. It's my pleasure to uh, share a couple of minutes with you together with Professor Vangelos Xelinas from Paris, Friedrich Lidberg, urologist from Malmö in Sweden. And we will share with you some thoughts about bladder cancer cases. And for that, I have a tricky case for uh, Professor Xelinas on a male with a bladder cancer in a diverticulum. So Please, Professor Xelinas, can you help me out with some advices? This is a man in his best age, no severe comorbidities, uh, 70 years of age, and he has exophytic tumour in, in a bladder diverticulum. So how would you investigate, counsel and, and, and treat this particular patient? Thank you, Frederick, and uh, happy to be uh, with you uh, today. To, do, to talk about a difficult case in bladder cancer. So uh, cancer in uh, diverticula, I, I would say that first it's, uh, it's a rare entity uh, accounting for less than 1% of uh, bladder cancer cases. And the uh, majority of bladder diverticula are acquired, uh, are in fact pseudo uh, diverticula as they do not contain muscularis propria layer. So this is very important for the next steps. So uh, how I would uh, perform, for example, a TRB, definitely we know that uh, a complete resection um, is uh, mandatory. Uh, it can be performed by either a fraction or in block technique. Of course, uh, intradiverticular tumors are very difficult to resect on block. And also, uh, I could say that depending on the width, width of the uh, diverticular neck, you may have to resect the yeah. diverticular in order to access the tumor into it. And so I would add also that in case of concomitant tumor of the diverticular neck and inside the diverticular, a separate sampling can be uh, very useful for better staging. Sorry for interrupting. Start slightly earlier. Would you take any particular precautions prior to doing the TRBT? I'm considering urinary cytology, would it affect mandatory need any radiology? Can you develop your thoughts on that? Yeah, of course. If we, uh, if we look at urine cytology, uh, of course, uh, it, it adds uh, the uh, preoperative uh, workout. Uh, definitely, uh, it has to be, uh, it's mandatory for every uh, suspicion of bladder cancer, independently of uh, bladder diverticulae. And of course, the uh, Paris system for reporting urinary cytology mm. has been validated. It is the current standard uh, also in EAU uh, guidelines. I would say that, uh, of course, you have uh, the mandatory um, uh, facts for uh, urinary cytology performance, at least uh, 25 milliliters of fresh urine, uh, adequate fixation, uh, morning urine not very suitable also because of frequent presence of uh, cytolysis, all these things that apply also for bladder cancer into a diverticular. So let's say you have this clear-cut Paris 4 by the uh, uh, cytologist uh, report and you have normal upper urinary tracts. Would you 
give us some advice how to uh, which steps would be included in transurethral resection, so to say. Yeah. So the the real question here is, of course, to take out the uh, uh, entire tumor. So uh, I would be very cautious into the diverticulae because, of course, uh, as there is no muscle layer, there is a high risk of uh, bladder wall perforation. Um, but still, we have to take the entire tumor out. The next question would be, uh, do you perform um, biopsies of, uh, like a sampling biopsies of the uh, over part of the bladder? And uh, of course, if there is like another abnormal looking urofilm, then you have to take biopsies. And of course, if the equipment is available, uh, fluorence guided biopsies perform better than white light biopsies that, that has been proved uh, from several uh, prospective studies. Hmm. Would you consider doing uh, resection biopsies from prostatic urethra, for example, in this healthy male? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good question as well, because uh, this is a male patient. Uh, of course, when the tumor is um, near the bladder neck or the trigon, and usually uh, these bladder diverticuli are in the posterior part of yes. the bladder, so they can be close to the trigon, uh, definitely uh, prostatic biopsies are mandatory. Mm -hmm. So let's say you get the PATH report 10 days after the transurethral resection and you have the uh, patient in the outpatient clinic and, and it states this is a G3 tumor, high-grade tumor. Um, maybe there is some minimal invasion of slightly represented lamina propria, no detrusor in the specimen. How would you recommend this patient further treatment? And you're considering that while well, you took biopsies from prostatic reefer, they were negative. Mm. Uh, there were one area in the bladder where you sampled with a cold cut biopsy, no carcinoma incited. This seems to be sort of a diverticular tumor. How, how would you? Yeah. So this is this is a typical uh, difficult case <sighs> where we have to decide between a radical uh, surgery and a conservative treatment of a T1 high grade into a diverticular uh, tumor. Uh, with no muscle present. So uh, I think that in order to answer that question, we need to know some facts, and the facts are the risk of upstaging of this tumor. And uh, the most recent and most impressive series, I would say, is from a retrospective multicenter effort from the uh, young academic urologist led by uh, Charlotte Voskulin and Keith Hendrickson from uh, the Netherlands, published a couple of years ago, 115 cases and they showed that in that particular case, upstaging is up to, is very frequent in up to 55%. So this is a very important fact in order to decide. And uh, of course, this high rate of upstaging, it can be explained by the fact that first TRB is challenging in the uh, diverticular aid um, because the access can be limited by the uh, diverticular neck first, Surgeons may be hesitant to resist deeply because of the lack of muscle layer and also uh, because of the biology of a tumor that goes from a lamina propria to uh, an extra vesical disease without a, a muscle layer. So, so you, you, would, you would recommend a radical cystectomy upfront on all these patients based on 55% upstaging? Or how would you how would you? I think that definitely, yeah, I think that definitely first we have to 
state of a patient that the safer route of treatment is radical cystectomy with pelvic lymph node dissection. I think that's the, uh, the key point here. Of course, we can discuss a partial cystectomy or a conservative treatment with BCG and in which patients we can, uh, which selected patients we can uh, propose that conservative approach. I would say that these are small, unifocal, without CIS tumors and with also uh, a CT scan not showing extravertical disease. I would say that, uh, and even now an MRI would be very useful, a pre-TRB MRI in order to decide if there is extravesical disease and to propose more safely, I would say, uh, a conservative approach to these patients where the risk of upstaging is very high. Okay, I think that was a very complete description of the problem. And, and according to the guidelines, I mean, in the upcoming non-muscle invasive EIU guidelines, we recommend a multidisciplinary tumor board discussion in these patients. I think this is a good arena to include all these details with pre-op MRI eventually or judging the uh, CTU carefully prior to the uh, transretal resection to really understand the extent of the disease. And um, do you, do you um, by the way, do you always apply the uh, TRBT checklist before you go into the operating yeah. theatre? Uh, of course, um, I, I do work in an academic centre, so in also in uh, purposes of education, I think it's very important. And it seems to be applicable also if you have a patient with a, with a bladder diverticulum with a tumour. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Frederick. Uh, I have also a case for you. <laughs> you also have a case. Splendid. <laughs> <laughs> also, I would say a difficult uh, case to manage always, like daily practice. It's a case of uh, a patient who has a, a, a unique tumor on the trigon, three centimeters, uh, right trigon uh, location, and also has a, um, what appears to be on the uh, CT urography, uh, a small, I would say one centimeter uh, pelvic ureter uh, upper tract tumor. Hmm. So uh, I would say my, my first question is, um, do you always perform CT urography prior to TRB or do you do it after and uh, implications of that? And also, let's talk about also, uh, is it really frequent or not? Risk factors of upper tract tumor uh, with uh, NMIBC, synchronous, metachronous, whatever. <laughs> well, yes, thank you. Well, uh, luckily, uh, the majority of our patients with urothelial carcinomas, they uh, seek us due to macroscopic hematuria. So in my setting, we have the CTU always performed prior to, to, uh, to refer. And I think that is very useful in, in a patient like the one you described, because it gives you additional information on the uh, extent of disease and some stage information as well regarding both the upper tract bladder tumor. Did, did the tumor display any obstruction of, of the... Um, uh, no, there was, uh, no, there was not a hydronephrosis. So it was okay. a small tumor. Yeah, in both cases. But... Well, as for the, the, the former case we discussed, I would be very curious to have a good voided urine cytology with a, a statement uh, on the uh, Paris classification because it would determine to some extent how I would manage this patient. Did, did you have that? Yeah, yeah, of course we had that. Uh, urine cytology was uh, positive for high-grade disease. Okay. 
but uh, of course it can come also from the uh, yes, uh, bladder yes. cancer. <laughs> yes, yes. Frequently there are some data suggesting that the uh, nature of a synchronous upper tract and, and, and lower tract tumor are similar. So if you say this is, is a high-grade cytology, it's likely that we have to deal with high-grade disease in the upper tract, high-grade disease in, in the lower tract. Then we can presume that we need to do some screening for metastases, distant metastases, and we need to treat the uh, upper tract carcinoma by radical surgery. The question is, uh, is this a disease where the uh, upper tract was a primary with seeding and, and, and the secondary bladder cancer? Could be, uh, we also know in terms of risk factors that trigonal location um, is a risk factor for, for upper tract disease, as are vesicular reflux and recurrent non-muscle invasive disease and high-grade disease. So it really fits these risk factors in the case you present. Yeah, thank you. Um, so the second question would be, how do you evaluate this upper tract tumor, which is concomitant with uh, a bladder cancer tumor? Do you go for an imaging alone? Do you do a urine cytology in situ? Uh, do you perform a diagnostic ureteroscopy at the same time with QRB? Well, um, because, I mean, if you have a high-grade voided cytology, if you have a good CTU, meaning that you don't have a split bolus investigation, for example, so you have a good cortical medullary phase where you can really click and see that the tumor is, is enhanced on the contrast images, then it's the specificity for a high, for, for an apocrine tumor as compared to benign condition is, is very high. So I wouldn't do any further diagnostics. Uh, my dilemma would be how to deal with the bladder cancer versus treating the upper tract tumor. And, well, I, I don't have a clear solution to that. <laughs> and if, uh, if, for example, your urine cytology was uh, suspicious or negative or atypical, let's say, would you perform a diagnostic retroscopy? And if yes, um, when? Yes, yes. And it, it clearly, if the tumor that complies with all the um, necessary qualifications for a low-risk tumor, that is, no high-risk uh, cytology, less than two centimeter, a single tumor, you can consider um, endoscopic treatment. But even the, with a Paris 3, I mean, we have a 25 to 50% risk of high-grade disease. I would not mm. go for uh, organ conservation of the upper urinary tract. I would go for a radical nephrotoxy. But the question and, is uh, what to do with the, with the bladder tumor. Would you, would you resect it first and do the... Uh, the ureteroscopy uh, at the same time? Yeah. No, do the uh, nephrotectomy at the same time or... Yeah, what, what, what was not? Yeah, I, I will give you the uh, the path results first. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, just a hypothetical question first: If you had a hydronephrosis, um, in that case of trigon uh, bladder tumor and also uh, ureter uh, pelvic ureter tumor uh, synchronous, would you put a double J stent or a nephrostomy? And uh, uh, the uh, EGFR, of course, but that plays a role also on your decision, I would say, yeah. Well, if I had uh, mm. hydronephrosis and hydrourethra, 
I would consider this uh, invasive bladder cancer needing knee adjuvant chemotherapy. So that would be my main goal, my main first goal. It's not a good principle to put in a nephrostomy tube into a renal pelvis where you have a tumor because there are descriptions of seeding along the nephrostomy tracts. So there are descriptions of seeding along the double J of insertion. So uh, if the patient was cisplatin fit, I would do additional screening for metastasis. Uh, guidelines is recommended uh, CT, uh, but we also know that FG PET CT might have a higher sensitivity for metastasis. So I would, in my setting, uh, send the patient for an FG PET CT first. So the path results came in and um, okay. GRB, uh, the tumor also was unifocal, two centimeters, TA high grade, uh, G3 disease without CIS. And the uh, upper tract inside to urine cytology was high grade. Then we have <laughs> two diseases. And I, I mean, according to guidelines, the patient would need uh, adjuvant intravesical installations with the preferably uh, BCG. It's, it's a high-grade disease. Uh, the patient will also need a radical nephrotectomy. Um, and I would consider, in the absence of CIS, to do a robotic nephrotectomy and, and try to do uh, a controlled excision of the bladder cuff and the uh, urinary orifice from, from, from outside and then do BCG afterwards because that would give me some additional information of the path report uh, from the upper tract as well. But I don't know. Um, to my knowledge, no. no clear recommendations. Would you prefer the other way around? No, uh, no. I, I had several cases recently. It's, uh, it's funny, uh, like this. And I did QRB, RNU, and afterwards BCG, mm. exactly as you as you proposed. Yes. So uh, I think it's uh, it's it makes sense. It's not in the guidelines, of course. These are rare cases, and uh, also uh, I like doing the RNU and deciding for BCG because you have a path report of the RNU specimen, and then mm. you can decide also for adjuvant chemo or adjuvant immunotherapy now with nivolumab, which is approved yeah. in Europe. And a small quick question also in this case, would you do a single post-operative installation of mitomycin as it is with? Well, um, it's a good question, but um, there's in fact one Egyptian trial comparing serial chemotherapy installations versus a single installation uh, after RNU. And, and um, so, so we don't know the outcomes were equal in the study arms, but this patient needs serial BCG installations. So I wouldn't necessarily do a single installation or the recommended guidelines as I know that the patient will uh, later on receive BCG in the bladder because it's unclear to me at least if the single installation would add anything on top of, of BCG maintenance. Yeah, I agree. I agree that single post-operative installation if you are going to uh, perform adjuvant intravesical BCG, uh, probably doesn't add anything. No. Thank you very much, uh, Frederick. Thank you. Uh, nice to talk to you. I hope, uh, yeah, I hope the audience uh, liked these uh, two cases of uh, bladder cancer in the reticuli and also of a synchronous uh, NMIBC and an upper tract tumor. I was very happy to share these minutes with Professor Frederick Rydberg. And uh, and you uh, and happy to join another podcast in the near future. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
Thank you, Professor Liedberg and Professor Silinas, for this episode of EAU Podcast, Difficult Bladder Cancer Cases. Further podcasts will be posted regularly on EAU guidelines topics. For more EAU podcasts, please go to your favourite podcast app and subscribe to our EAU podcast channel for regular updates.